Welcome to His Way Women's Bible Study with Linda Anderson. His Way Ministries is an interdenominational ministry established and committed to helping you experience a dynamic relationship with God. Now, here's Linda with this week's message. This is our moment. Wasn't the worship just so good? Did you feel the Lord washing you, washing over you? Me too. It was so good. Well, we didn't give out prizes tonight. We usually give out prizes because we gave you, every single one of you got a scripture card tonight. On the first Tuesday of His Way, we talked about the bow principle, bowing, the bow challenge for 40 days to bow before the Lord first thing in the morning or sometime in the morning. And any time, any time during the day. To bow means to believe, to obey, and to worship. So even if you just got on your knees for a moment, I know that there's some of you who getting on your knees is really, really hard. So if you, Maritza, what do you do? You're going, can you, do you bow your head? Yeah. Good. Soon. Yeah, soon, in Jesus' name, (laughs) speak in faith. So I have had amazing reports about what this has done. I get emails and just testimonies from women telling me, I don't know why this works, but it's doing something big. So I encourage you to... Believe, obey, and worship daily to take the challenge to, um, if you can, get on your knees and bow before the Lord. And then I gave you promises if you reverence and, and awe and fear Almighty God. In that little red box at the top, that little burgundy box, it says the fear of God is a reverent awe. It's a holy sense of divine wow. Isn't that good? (laughs) A holy sense of divine wow. Wow. So there are promises for you on the back, are promises for your children and family, if you will fear God, and to gain wisdom (laughs) through reverence. So there you go. Do you like this? Oh, good. Yay. Yay. Okay. Well, you're welcome. If you want to take your outline for tonight at the top of it, it says periscope because we are getting this amazing telescope that we can see things that other people don't see. We can see things that we need to know. We can hear God. So this is what you're getting. You're getting this amazing periscope here at His Way this fall. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's amazing. You can hear God. He is the God who speaks. And you can hear Him if you listen. So we're learning to hear God. When we hear God, when the Lord speaks and we know it's Him, everything changes. We can be in the pit of despair and just a word from the master. And all of a sudden, everything is new, changed. 
We've got to hear God. We can't live without hearing him. The psalmist David said, Oh, Lord, I've got to hear your voice lest I go down to the pit. If we don't hear God, we, we're just liable to go down to the pit. We've got to hear him. We've got to hear his voice. And so I, you know, I've traveled in so many nations, just most of them, <laughs> I think. I look at my map and I, I think most of them. And everywhere I, I go, the primary thing that I'm asked for is lay your hands on me and, and impart to me the ability to hear God. People are desperate to hear God. And I just want to impart that to you through, through my voice. I want to impart to you. I'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you that, that you'll be able to hear God. And that you'll be able to hear him in even deeper ways and stronger. Father, I thank you that you open our ears. And Lord, I ask that you will forgive us, Lord, for discounting your voice. Father, you will forgive us for, for not believing that you're speaking. Father, forgive us for when we've said we can't hear you. Lord, cleanse us. And then, Lord, open our ears that we can hear you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are doing this and you will do this. Now, I've found that the best way to come before the Lord with wanting to hear his voice is to tell him that I'll say yes before he speaks. And so, Lord, we say yes before you even speak. We say yes, Lord. Yes. We say yes. <laughs> and then our yes draws your voice. Thank you. Lord, you're good, and everything you do is good. And you're right, and everything you do is right. And so, Lord, we trust you. Lord, would you put your goodness way down deep inside of every one of these women, clear to their toes, till they know that they know that they know that they know that you're good. Yes, Lord. Thank you for doing it for me, Lord. You did it for me. You can do it for anybody. So do it for all of us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I was in South Korea and there was a pastor who was pastor of a church of 40, 50,000 people. South Korea has huge, huge, amazing churches. And this pastor, we were speaking at an impartation conference, and he came to me after the session. He said, put your hands on me that I can hear God. And he's tall, and he's big, and he has a church of 40,000. And I looked at him and I said, why would you want me to pray for you that you will hear God? And he said, because you hear him and I want that. So I put my hands on him, on him and began to pray for him that he would have an impartation of the, a greater, stronger ability 
skill to hear God. And he went down on his knees, humble. You know, that's, that's the deal. If we admit we're needy, we've got to hear God. We've got to have help. Then we're candidates and we get what we need. But if we're proud and we don't ask and we try to act like we have it together, I don't have it together. If we act like we do, then it doesn't work. Okay, tonight, God's human agent. God's human agent. On the back of your outline from last week that we didn't even get two-thirds of the way through, you have all the answers. And I have also given you a journal entry from when the Lord spoke to me in July. I was asking the Lord. I'm always asking him, okay, Lord, what good do our prayers do? Because unless we ask him that, we'll just, we can um, just start praying out a ritual or prayer, praying our lists or, or, um, or thinking somebody else will do it. And so I'm often asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what good do my prayers do? I want to see. I want to know. And as I was asking him, I went to bed that night, and the Lord often speaks to me in the night. He speaks to you too in the night, in the night watches, Job 9. He speaks to you in the night watches. And so the Lord spoke to me, and he said that I was a human agent on earth. So are you. And he said that it takes a human agent on earth to ask so that, so that his answer is legal. Because he gave authority on the planet, jurisdiction to people. Because we have authority on planet earth. He gave it to mankind. Because we have rule on our planet, the Lord wants a human agent in order to legalize his answers. Now, if we knew that, if we believe that, that God has to join with a human being in order to answer prayer, man, it's, yeah, it's scary, huh, Pauline? I mean, it's like, whoa! Now, there have been times when God has done things without a person, haven't there? Yeah, go try to find one. Seriously, go see. Go find one in the Bible. Yeah, you better go talk to him about that. Okay, at the top of your outline, God's human agent In the days, this is Acts chapter 6, we are in. In the days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Did you hear that? The number of the disciples was multiplying. Do you know what a disciple is? If you do your questions on the back this week, you will find out that it is a radical thing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The number of the disciples were multiplying, not the people who came to church. But the number of the disciples was multiplying. 
there arose a complaint, just like there always does. Anytime God is at work, anytime revival is about to break out, there arises a complaint. And later in the chapter, and Stephen, this is a chapter about the martyr Stephen, full of faith and power. Do you want it to be said of you? You are full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs. Then there arose disputing with Stephen. (laughs) Just in those few short verses, one to nine, there are two times when the church is going forward, disciples are being made, the kingdom is going forth in power. And people start murmuring and complaining, and they start disputing. Do you know what disputing is? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we won't go there. Okay. So the people started disputing with Stephen. So number one, just when you think things are beginning to roll, stuff rises up and tries to create a diversion tries that means it doesn't have the power to do it unless we give it so it rises up and tries to create a diversion have you ever noticed that just when things are beginning to go well and you start thinking oh man i'm on a roll boom it's just not fair life on planet earth number two witnessing like they were doing in acts in chapter five and six going around with boldness amazing things happening that kind of witnessing is a spiritual battle that requires the power of the holy spirit Now, I wanted to entitle this message, I just thought this was the greatest title, and Samantha's going to put it up for you. I wanted, I have this title across the top of your outline, Jarred into the Reality of God's Love at World Market. I just thought this was so profound at World Market. But the Lord wanted God's human agent. But I'll tell you why I wanted to tell you, jarred into the reality of God's love at World Market. Last week, I had just come out of a really, really tough encounter. And I had been in this um, meeting, and and um, I had come out of the encounter just feeling awful. And as I came in, it happens, you know, happens to all of us sometimes. And I came out of this encounter, and after I came out, I was crying, and I was crying, and I was crying, and crying out to God. And as I was crying, I just felt like I wanted to wallow in it for a little while. (laughs) When I heard the Lord say, go to World Market. Now, remember, we were just talking about saying yes to God before he speaks. And so I thought, well, this is really profound, Lord. You're trying to tell me something really cool. 
There is a whole world market out there of people who need you, Lord. So I'm just going to ask you, Lord, just save the whole world. That is called turning around what the Lord's saying to you to fit your own idea. So I started crying again. And I said, you see, I'm crying, Lord. And the Lord told me again, he said, go to world market. I said, fine. I, I, King Jesus. <laughs> I went and I washed my face and put on a little makeup and went, got in my car and drove to world market over in the Sparks Crossing, the you know where some of you, well, there's a couple. There's more than one world market here. It's a store. Drove to world market, went inside, wandered around, eventually left the store like, well, that was really powerful. I was walking out of the store, going to get back in my car, really looking forward to getting in my car. And as I was walking to my car, there were three people standing outside. One of the women, I heard her say very loudly for me, she said, my shoulder hurts so bad that I can hardly stand the pain. I took another step toward my car. And I said, Lord, surely, surely not today. But of course, the Lord was tapping me on the shoulder because you know what? He doesn't think our pity parties are a big deal. And he doesn't stop speaking to us just because we think that we're having a bad day. And so I turned around and I went over to the three individuals and I said, you know, there's a, there's somebody at my ministry named Sabrina. (laughs) Let's see you raise your arm where your shoulder was hurting. (laughs) And I said, Sabrina, a couple weeks ago, I was able to pray for her. Her shoulder was hurting really bad, and God healed her on the spot. And that woman who was saying that her shoulder was hurting so bad that she could hardly stand it, she really started paying attention. And I said, you know, God could heal you too because he loves you. I said, can I touch you? And she said, yeah. And I prayed for her. I put my hand on her shoulder, and I asked God to touch her, to bring healing to her shoulder. And the Lord touched her with his love, and she was jarred into the reality of God's love at World Market. Do you know how I felt after that? Like I didn't need my car. I could fly home. (laughs) When the Lord speaks and when we move out and we're that witness for him and we, there will always be spiritual warfare. There will always be a crisis of faith and it will always have to be overcome. Number three, 
the passion, the heat of your testimony, like those disciples in Acts, your testimony. It may stir up some snakes. Now, I wanted to spend some time in Acts 28 because I'm so afraid we're not going to get to Acts 28 before, <laughs> before the new year. So I wanted to talk to you about Paul and how he had landed on an island and how he was, they were making a fire and a snake came out and attached itself to his hand. And instead of Paul getting so upset because there was a snake on his hand, would you be screaming? There is a viper attached to his hand, you know. I don't know how big it was, but there was a viper that was holding on to his hand. And the scripture says that Paul shook it off into the fire and continued to minister. The word also says that the people expected him to swell up and die. (laughs) It's exactly what people do to us. We get bit by something. Somebody says something mean to us. Something happens in our family. Something happens at work. We get snake bit. The past tries to come in and snake bite us. We see that thing hanging on us and we go, ah! Paul shook it off in the fire. And then after you shake it off, then people gather around. They go, oh, you're going to (laughs) die. But he didn't. And the scripture says that the whole island was healed. I want to be like that. You're going to have to read it. Maybe we'll get to it someday. Acts 28. Number four, the brightness of your face may target you for other people's critical. Oh, it should be. Oh, criticism and complaints. The brightness of your face may target you for other people's criticism and complaints. I've given you the scripture right below that about swelling up. Number five. To live in ignorance of spiritual warfare is naive and dangerous. Then I've given you the most encouraging scriptures right under that. You're just going to love them. First John 5.19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Isn't that so encouraging? The first part of it is, the second part of it, that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yikes, yeah. How about the next one? The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. In Colossians, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He's rescued us. So here we are. We're living on planet Earth. There is a spiritual battle going on here. We are often the minority, it seems. When I was growing up, the church was, it was honored. It was considered a a good thing for the community. 
um, there were churches, Tom and I were youth pastors in Oklahoma. There were churches on every corner. Where our church was in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, there were three churches on our block, a city block. And churches were considered good. They were considered something that contributed to the community, that kept the youth from getting in trouble, that trained the children, that helped the poor. Churches were considered good. These days, in just my short lifetime, I've, I've seen it change to where it's hard to even rent a building for a church where the community doesn't necessarily want a church, where Christians are persecuted. Take heart, my sisters. We're coming into a time of persecution where the church is going to grow and multiply. Who wants persecution? What would you say, Nettie? If it means growth... Advancing the kingdom. You've got a big world view. World market. <laughs> I was asking the Lord, I've told you, I think the last couple weeks, that as I read about what's going on in China and the persecution and, and how, oh, if they can get, if they can hold a Bible in their hand for an hour, they will just, they'll memorize every single bit of it that they can squeeze out of it before they have to give the Bible handed off to someone else. And they may not see a Bible again for a year, maybe longer. So if they can hold it for one hour, they will memorize as much as they can. But I wanted to tell you why. Because you might be wondering, why, why, do, they, why do they feel like that? It's because if they can memorize the passage in Acts 5, where signs and wonders are happening because of persecution, where people are in jail and the angel's opening the door and people are walking out of jail, if they can memorize that, then they are inspired and strengthened for what? Another however long. Because they identify with it. It's time for us to identify with what took place in the scripture. Oh, we're coming into such a good time. <laughs> we get more from God. Don't get scared. Right below that, I've given you a quote from the book, Your God is to Save. Should I read it? Okay. He said, I am seeking to understand the weariness that spreads itself over and sucks its way through so much of modern Christian living. I'm trying to diagnose the spiritual chronic fatigue syndrome in our churches. I'm seeking to comprehend our temptation to sleep when we are called to pray, to wield swords, when we should bear crosses, to go shopping when we should be fighting. Uh-oh. <laughs> you can fight while you're shopping, world market, to either boost, to either boast or gripe about what is a sure, sheer gift, 
to be loose-lipped with other people's secrets and tight-lipped about God's good news. Whoa, that was mean. It's not true of the Hisway women. No way. Number six, some common responses to the thought of facing persecution and the attacks of the enemy. Right below that, I've given you some real more encouraging words. Fear, denial, anger, control, depression, laziness. And now I'm going to tell you how to combat it because we're going to watch the video about how to think correctly. Are you ready? Okay. Have you ever noticed how you begin to think about something or someone tells you about a situation or something that happened and, and all of a sudden you see it everywhere? You, you, you go out and you buy a new car and you drive down the road and everybody went out and bought the same car at the same time. That, that's because of a part of our brain that we call the reticular activating system. It's something that we talk about in the Art of Hearing God course because our reticular activating system, our RAS, it tells us what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. See, what, whatever you focus on, you're going to make room for. And so as you begin to think about things, you begin to look for them and find them. And this is why it is so important to think on whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is of good report. Because these things are absolutely essential to having a renewed mind that begins to see God in the midst of every circumstance. Because if you go around looking for bad things, you're going to find them. There will be plenty of bad things for you to find. But if you go around looking for good things, you will find them. And there often when we go around looking for something that we've heard or that we've seen and it begins to happen in our lives and it didn't need to, it only did because we gave it permission by giving it our focus. So you must be careful what you pay attention to, what you allow your heart to dwell on, because the convictions of your heart, they begin to create an atmosphere around you that changes the world that you experience. Because the world you experience is not necessarily the world the way that it is. It's the world the way you see it. And this is where discipleship comes in, because discipleship is changing our thoughts so that they become, according to truth, not according to perception, because Jesus's world is very different than the world that we've been experiencing and the education that we've been given, the circumstances that we've had, the, the, the culture that we live in. His world is different. And as we renew our minds, we find our lives transformed. And, and it's not just our ability to interact differently. We do interact differently, but we find that things change. It's not just our interaction but we actually begin to influence the world around us according to what we focus on. So what are you paying attention to? I'm so sorry his mouth was off with the words. Oh, I know some of you will want to see that again, so I'll post it to my Facebook page if you want to watch it. Yeah, I know you might want to take notes on that. Well, we are out of time, and we only have one more blank to fill in, but I really want to talk with you about be still and know that I am God. The Lord showed me something so profound about this scripture, about him saying that he would be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted on the earth, in the earth, he says. And so next week I'll tell you um, something so important about that scripture that you need to know that will set you free. I wish we had more time tonight. I'm not going to let you fill in number seven until I tell you a quick story. And then I will give you the word that goes in number seven. Otherwise, you will all start putting your stuff away and you'll miss it. When Tom and I, a few years ago, I was asked to go to Turkey and to speak at a conference that people from all over the Middle Middle East would come to missionaries from all over Northern Africa, all over the Middle East, the Sudan. And I was asked to be the main speaker at that conference. And so there we were in Turkey, which is primarily a Muslim nation. And if you are in a Muslim nation, you will know that the horns go off several times a day calling you to a, they call it prayer. It's not prayer. It is a ritual that they do because of a formula. Anyway, so it's a Muslim nation. Just last week, there was a terrible thing that happened in Turkey. There was a peace rally, and two suicide bombers went into the midst of that crowd, and a 100 people died. And so Turkey is a very volatile nation and a dangerous nation. So there we were in Turkey, and missionaries had gathered from all over the Middle East. What a force. Cream of the crop, missionaries. We had a beautiful room where I was able to speak for the first couple of days for the session. But the third day, the conference was five days. The third day, they came to us, and they said, you can't have the room anymore that you've been using. And so the leaders of the conference came to me and they said, we want you to speak in the lobby. Now, this hotel had a huge lobby. And, of course, it was a public place. It was a big hotel, so there were a lot of people going in and out of the lobby, people coming in to get rooms, to eat, to um, just pass through, just big hotel And they said, we want you to speak in the lobby. Well, there were a few people who came to me and they said, you can't do that. This is a Muslim nation. You can't can't do a public meeting in the lobby of a hotel in Turkey. And I said, if the Lord wants me to, I can. Now, if I were standing here and somebody told me, that I was going to speak about Jesus Christ in the lobby of a hotel in Turkey, I would be scared. But while I was there and in the midst of it and with the power of the Holy Spirit, and as I talked it over with Tom, and Tom said, well, if you feel that that's what God wants you to do, then do it. I remember that day standing up in that hotel lobby They had me stand on a staircase. I was up on the stairs. I had voice magnification. All the people were gathered in there. People were coming in and out. And we had the most incredible service right there in the middle of Turkey in a Muslim nation that it's called very anti-Christ. 
And yet, I know that people heard the good news of the gospel, and it changed the atmosphere. Now, when God calls you to do something, and he wants you to say something for him, he wants you to give for him or to whatever it is that he wants, you will have abundant grace to do it. You will have the power of a lion, the Holy Spirit, the Lion of Judah. You will have strength that will flow through you in such a way that you will be astonished. You will say, I can't believe this is me. I feel so powerful. When God calls you to do something, he gives you the strength. He gives you the energy. He gives you the power. He gives you everything you need to do it. Now, O women of God, rise up. We are women of the kingdom. And God is using our lives to make a huge difference. You see, number seven, you're not common. You're not common. Acts is all about ordinary people doing extraordinary things by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not my power. It's not your power. It's the power of God. It's time to go get kids and time to think about making lunches for tomorrow and what you're going to wear to work and the errands and all kinds of things. But in this moment, before we, before we formally dismiss, you know, we need some more testimonies of healing. And so come get healed (laughs) of diabetes, get healed. In the name of Jesus, I know you're going after it. I know you are. I know you have faith. I know you do. It's coming. It's on the conveyor belt. So come and get healed. Come and say, I'm needy. Pray for me. Yeah, come, 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 come get prayer. Yeah, come. I recommend always getting prayer. If I wasn't standing here with the microphone, I'd be up there. Yeah, come get prayer. Now may the God of all peace fill you up with his peace, his blessing, his love. May you have dreams from him. May he just so consume your heart that that you're just in love. It feels so good to be in love. So may you just be in love with Jesus. Okay, I'll see you next week.